Welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. This is the Good Guy Grant podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk boxing with talking about Felix Verdejo. I also want to talk about fighting and boxing in terms of in the stands as well. We'll talk a little Man United as there was a protest yesterday. I actually canceled the Liverpool game. We'll do the who the fuck is that guy more focused on the New York Knicks. I'll look at the MLB standings as well. Uh, quick, I want to point out a stat I saw last night. So Corey Kluber, the first, I would say, I wouldn't call him the ace of the Yankees, but he's pitching pretty well. He is the starting pitcher of the New York Yankees. They beat the Tigers yesterday 2 to nothing. Corey Kluber for the game, he he pitched really well. I mean, he went eight innings, struck out ten. But the stat I want to point out to you, seven of those strikeouts were in the first three innings, which actually ties a career high for him. So that's pretty good to see. Corey Kluber's had a bit of a issues the last couple of years. I know he's with Texas after getting traded by the Indians. He was a Cy Young winner with the Indians. He's two and two. ERA's a little over three, three point zero three after that start. So having a pretty good year so far. Uh, for the Yankees but I want to start off talking about boxer Felix Verdejo he's 27 he has his record in boxing 27 and 2 he's Puerto Rican he has somewhat of a like kind of like an orthodox stance his last fight was back on December 12 2020 he actually lost to uh, Masayoshi Nakatani that was actually for a belt, so he lost that by TKO. I would say his biggest win was against Brian Vasquez. That was back in April 2019. He was one of those up-and-coming prospects that people felt that was going to be really good. He was supposed to be the next great Puerto Rican boxer. Unfortunately, the news about him is not very good. He So he has a, he has a wife or fiancé right now. And last year... He was, there was rumors that he had cheated on his wife with a particular uh, woman. And the woman's name is Keshla Rodriguez. She's also 27. And what ended up happening is the relationship got so serious, he ended up you know, getting her pregnant. And the wife find out about it. And Verdejo basically tried to talk her out of having a kid. But what happens next is, is kind of crazy. So Felix Verdejo... For people who have not been following boxing uh, this story closely actually ended up turning himself in to federal agents and San Juan Puerto Rico he is charged with kidnapping and carjacking resulting in the death with intentionally killing an unborn child he ended up killing this Keshla Rodriguez so he basically got her over to his house. They got in the car. He punched this woman in the face. Then took a syringe, which was full of some kind of drug that basically knocked her out. And basically put the syringe in her neck, gave her the drug. As she's knocked out, Verdejo basically tied her up. And then drove the car to a bridge took her body and because she was tied up she couldn't move things like that threw her body over the ledge into the water and 
somebody ended up finding the body and reporting it. Well, the DNA came back, and it's confirmed to be Rodriguez. So Felix Verdejo is going to be going to jail for murder. Again, this he's only 27. He was supposed to be this up and great boxing prodigy coming out of Puerto Rico, but after seeing the story, you know. It's going to be one of those people that make a bonehead, stupid-ass decision and end up going to jail because of it. Felix Verdejo is completely wrong in every single way. There's nobody condemning this. There's nobody saying that, you know, he, they understand where he's coming from. There's nobody to blame mental health for this. This is on Felix Verdejo himself. Do not give mental health as an excuse. Do not give the fact that he's been going through a lot you know, in the ring, outside the ring, blah, blah, blah. This guy had a wife. He cheats on his wife. He knocks this other woman up. And he kills this woman because she doesn't want to get rid of the baby. Because he didn't want the blowback from having a kid with somebody else. Like the media like would look at him like, what are you doing, blah, blah, blah. You're having a kid with somebody else even though you're married. He didn't want that. Basically, he's a chump. You know, he's gonna be, I hope he goes to jail for a long time. At the end of the day, it is his fault. I think his wife actually is going to get arrested as well from for knowing about what's going what was going to happen, and then I think she played a part in it as well. There's more details still coming out, but Felix Verdejo did turn himself in to the authorities, and he is going to be going to jail for a long, long time. Uh, on that boxing note, and this is a completely different, probably I would say a little bit more positive spin, but it's not about Verdejo. I want to talk about the Andy Ruiz, Chris Ariola uh, fight on Saturday. It was it was actually the first four rounds were really good. I actually had it pretty even through six. You know, Ruiz got knocked down. It was the second or third round he got knocked down and he got back up. But then after the sixth round, Ruiz took over, and that's why I think the judges gave Ruiz the win against a 40-year-old in Chris Ariola, So Ruiz is either set to face Luis Ortiz, the, the Cuban heavyweight, whose only loss was Deontay Wilder, or Ruiz is going to fight Deontay Wilder, and then the winner of that would fight, if this fight still keeps going on, there's there's rumors that it's already kind of falling apart, They would the winner of that fight would fight either Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury, depending on who won that. But now there's talks uh, in Saudi Arabia of a possibility that that fight won't happen. It's kind of been going back and forth. There's a lot of rumors going around, so there's more to come on that. But I want to bring this up because Mike Coppinger, who works for The Athletic, posted a few videos from Saturday night. And there's just there's three or four fights going on in the crowd. And it's just ridiculous. Like, this is one of the few times in the past year, year and a half, that fans have been allowed in the stands to watch sports. And you have these stupid-ass fans get drunk, get all hopped up on boxing, blah, 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 and they cause these big, huge fights in the crowd. There is at least three from the videos I've seen. And these are not small fights. These are you know, One of the fights involved about 10 people. The other one involved about 20, 25, and then there was no about 15. All those people were thrown out. This was the second Saturday night 
that there have been fights in the stands. Last week had one as well. But it just takes away from what's going on in the ring because, you know, whether it's people can't handle their alcohol, people want to get all pissed off about, you know, littlest shit. But fighting in the stands in boxing has got to stop. I don't know why people go to watch boxing and think they're little hard asses. And then they're like, you know, I'm going to start a fight, blah, blah, blah. Most of those people that got in the fight probably didn't think they were going to get in the fight and get thrown out. They should be in jail, in my opinion. At least face charges. And then be banned from going to any boxing events for a couple years. I think five would probably be good. Because you're taking away what's happening in the ring because you decided to be in a fight in the stands. That's absolutely absurd. It took away from, you know, the boxing weekend. You know, you had Erzlandi, Lara... He actually got a win, which was for a title this weekend, which was good to see. Next weekend is the Canelo Alvarez fight, which will be pretty good. He's going up against Billy Joe Saunders. That's going to be for Canelo's WBC, WBA, super middleweight title, and also for Billy Joe Saunders' WBO, super middleweight title. I've said this before. There's too many belts in boxing. they got to kind of clean that up as well. That'll be on DAZN. The undercard is kind of, I would say, kind of terrible, to be honest with you. So there's there's seven fights on the undercard for that Canelo fight. Only one of them, besides the Canelo fight, is a title fight, and that's the Elwin Soto against uh, Kadusanari uh, Takiyama. That's for the WBO Junior Flyweight title. I'm not a huge flyweight fan. It's kind of lower in pounds. Again, I'm a heavyweight fan. But the the Canelo card itself is not very good besides the Canelo fight. Fortunate for me, I get the zone for free through somebody else. So I'll be watching that. The Ruiz Ariola fight that was this past Saturday, was it was on pay-per-view. I watched it illegally on Cody. I don't have a problem saying that. I would not have paid the 50 or so dollars to order that fight if I had to. But I was able to watch it for free, so that's one of the reasons why I decided to get to watch. But yeah, boxing, they got to stop with the fights in the stands. It can't happen. The Canelo fight, that's this Saturday. Uh, Felix Rodeo is going to jail. Uh, the next topic I want to talk about is Manchester United and what's going on with them. For people I did not see on Sunday, Manchester United was set to face Liverpool. Again, that's the biggest game in England every year. You know, it's the rivalry game. As a Manchester United fan, I can't stand Liverpool. I hate everything they represent. Their, their dumbass songs that they do, the the colors, the players. I, I just can't stand them. But a few hours before the game, about a 1,000 Manchester United fans showed up to the hotel that the Manchester United players were staying at. And basically... Caused a bit of a, I call it a ruckus, but they threw flares in the air. They caused a little bit of, they did protesting. And and then thousands upon thousands of fans showed up to Old Trafford, which is the soccer stadium that Manchester United pl play at. And they protested. They, they held out for Glazers out, which is the Glazers are the owners of Manchester United. There was about, a th I would say, 300 fans that actually got in the actual Old Trafford stadium. 
I think somebody with security probably left the back door open and the fans just kind of walked in. Fans walked into the stadium and caused a little bit of damage. There was a video of a guy breaking a camera. There was a little bit of destruction in terms of like the seats, things like that. But why are these fans doing it is because of the Glazer family. The Glazer family owns Manchester United. They're also the owners of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the reason these fans are so upset, it's not just the the Super League that uh, the Glazers and the rest of the, the top England teams tried to get into. So that way the Glazer family can make an extra $400 million. It's This has been brewing for for 15 years. This is not something that's new that just started. Um, I know being a Man United fan, how bad the Glazers are. They've talked about how they've invested a billion, one billion dollars in players for the team since they've taken over. And Man United hasn't won a title in seven years. They have not brought in the best talent. They don't get the number one choice for they want, even though they're the biggest club in England. So the Glazers talk about how they've they put in a billion. But what they don't talk about is the Glazers themselves have made over two billion in profit. So they invested a million, but then they made two billion. And it's all going in their pockets. They've ran the club into debt. It's like over seven hundred million in debt since taking over. And the when you look at Old Trafford as a stadium, it's really dated in terms of it needs, you know, millions and millions of dollars to basically upgrade not just the pitch itself. Uh, there's the Wi-Fi in the stadium is completely trash. All the box seats and everything is dated. You know, the chairs and everything is dated. They have not invested in the stadium. You're making billions and billions of dollars. And the Glazers don't show up to games. You'll very rarely see them at a game. You know, they're American owners. They live in Florida. I think a couple of them actually live in New York. And they own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So their their sole focus for Man United is just to make money off the club itself. Instead of making money, but also reinvesting more money and making this club what it should be. And I think from the protests, I hope this the the main thing that you're going to be seeing on the news, things like that, is they're going to show the destruction that some of the fans caused. They're not going to show the people who were protesting peacefully, who were protesting the right way. At every single protest, and it's kind of sad to see, you get those, and it happens here in America, probably it happens in England, it happens in a lot of countries. Whenever a protest happens, you get the... You know, the small majority of people who just go there, whether they live there or not, just to cause damage to the place, things like that. They're not there for the actual protests. They're just there to cause a scene to where the real fans and the real people who are there for any protests, including the Black Lives Matter movement, are there for the cause. And the Glazers already came out and said they're not going to, after this, what happened on Sunday, the game got canceled because of the protests, things like that. They're not going to sell the club. It would take a little over $4 billion for them to get uh, a good offer for them to sell. But the Glazers know 
Old Trafford holds 85,000 people. And when fans are allowed back in the stand- grounds again, people will show up. How do you get these owners to sell? My thing is to don't show up to games. Basically, don't buy tickets. Let the stadium stay empty because that'll hurt the Glazers in the pocket. If you're somebody that buys the kits and everything on Manchester United's website, I already saw where Adidas, uh, the the jersey sales for Man United are down and Adidas is not very happy. Basically, boycott buying the kits. Now, I own a lot of kits myself, but I don't buy it directly from the club, so my money does not go directly to the club itself. I buy it from a third party. Um, my thing also, yeah, don't show up to games. They did like a media blackout this weekend to where they didn't want any of the Manchester United fans media page to really post anything. I saw a couple of them did, a couple of them did not. But ultimately, it's going to take a very wealthy group of people to buy the club. You know, they did get 100,000 signatures in England to where... It would go to the government. The government would look over possibly giving the fans part ownership of the team. I don't think anything happens out of that, but we'll see. That's going to be a developing story to kind of watch and see how it's going. We'll go to basketball. We'll talk about the New York Knicks. And the re- there's a reason why I want to talk about the Knicks. They're 36-28, third in the Atlantic Division. The Who the fuck is that guy is actually Miles Powell. He's 6'2". 195 pounds. He went undrafted in 2020. He played four years actually in Seton Hall. He's from New Jersey. At Seton Hall, he actually averaged double figures every year, which is pretty good. So in 2016, he averaged 10.7 points. In 2017, he averaged 15. In 2018, which was actually his best year at Seton Hall, he averaged 23 points. And then his senior year, he averaged 21 points. So for his career at Seton Hall, averaged 17.5. He is a volume scorer. And I think his size is the reason why teams didn't draft him in 2020. Because he's only 6'2". And he's basically a shooting guard in a point guard's body. That's basically why uh, I would say no team kind of drafted him. He, He won as an undrafted free agent. He... So he, he won a draft in 2020. He got a tryout with the Knicks in preseason in 2020. His preseason debut, he had two points, one assist, and six minutes. He was waived, actually, in December. And then signed with the Knicks G League affiliate, which is the Westchester Knicks, in January. He actually averaged almost 18 points in the G League. He signed a two-way contract with the Knicks back in April, which actually was last month, so a few weeks back. And now he, I would say the thing with him, you know, he's a, he hasn't played, gotten an NBA minute yet, but the thing with him is I think he'll be a very good G League player, but I don't see him making an impact in the NBA. I mean, he's, he's still somewhat young. He's, he's 23, which is not too, too old, but I think when you have a player like him, like I said, 6'2", 195 and you're a shooting guard in a point guard's body, it makes it tough to be able to take the pounding, and you're not really a facilitator at six foot two. It makes it tough to make the league. 
you know, not everybody can be Allen Iverson, be really short, and be able to put up the points and everything in the league. I think Miles Powell will probably make some money overseas, which is not bad. It's not, a, you know, when you're overseas, you're making, you know, six figures, seven figures, which is pretty good. Um, ultimately, I think that's what happens with Miles Powell. In terms of the Knicks, you know, Tom Thibodeau is the coach, former coach of the Bulls, former coach of the T-Wolves. He's now the coach of the Knicks. They got R.J. Barrett. Julius Randle's playing at a an MVP-type level. I don't think he'll get the MVP. You got role players like Derrick Rose, you know, Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, Ned Aquina is still there. Alfred Payton, Nerlens Noel. The Knicks are actually going to make the playoffs, which is surprising. But with the way they're doing it, it's the same way Tom Thibodeau, and we talked about this on previous show, it's the same way Tom Thibodeau's did it when he was in Chicago. Jimmy Butler led the NBA in minutes played The when Tom Thibodeau was the coach of the Bulls and Jimmy Butler was there. R.J. Barrett is pretty close to leading the NBA in minutes. And then when Thibodeau was in Chicago, he had that number one score. You know, when Derrick Rose played an MVP level, Thibodeau was the coach. When he got hurt, it was Jimmy Butler. Julius Randle's playing, like I said, he, is, he already made the all-star team. He'll be in consideration for the MVP, but I don't see him winning it, uh, ultimately. But it's, it's, they're coaching, he's coaching the same exact way. You know, he's got a small rotation, usually about six to seven guys that he plays regularly. He has that, that bench player who's going to come off the bench that's probably going to get more money in the offseason than people think. That'll probably be, Alfred Payton will get some, probably somebody will look at him. Uh, Manuel quickly will definitely get more money as he's only making about two million right now. I say that like two million is not you know good money, but he'll probably get double that if not more with his next contract. But I think in time, in the next couple of years, I think it'll be just like what happened in Chicago, where players will get tired of playing those kind of minutes and just get tired of that rugged style of play, and then Thibodeau would be out. Not this year, not next year, but probably in about two to three years. But it's a good story to see the Knicks. You know, they're going to make the playoffs. 36-28, third in the Atlantic Division. Miles Powell is the who the fuck is that guy for this week. Again, 6'2", 195. He's 23 out of Seton Hall. I think he'll he'll make some good money overseas. I will look at baseball standings. Uh, in the American League East, you got the Boston Red Sox in first. At 17 and 12, Kansas City Royals are first in the American League Central at 16 and 10. The Oakland Athletics are number one in the West at 17 and 12. In the NL East, you got the Mets in first. They're kind of they're tied. So the Nationals are 12 and 12. The Mets are 11 and 11. The Milwaukee Brewers are 17 and 11. They're first in the NL Central. My Reds are under four, under 500 at 13 and 14. In the National League West, you actually have the Giants at 17 and 11. Man, the Giants. I'm actually very much surprised in the Giants. I didn't think they were going to be as good as people thought. I mean, when you look at that team, their, their best player in terms of hitting is Buster Posey. He's batting 359. Yeah, six home runs, nine RBIs. 
Evan Longoria leads the team in RBIs with 12. But the fact that Buster Posey, who people considered was finished because of his age, he's 34. He can't play regularly behind the plate because of his knees. That happens to every catcher. And then you got Evan Longoria, who seems to be around forever, batting 275 at the age of 35. That's pretty good. And then you have, you know, rotation that's led by Kevin Gossman, who pitched for the Reds. And then you had Anthony DiScalfani, another former Red, Johnny Cueto's there, who are eating up innings. You know, they're each of them have you know two wins on the year, so that's six right there for just three starters, which is pretty good. Alex Wood has three wins as well. And then in the bullpen, Jake McGee is their closer. He had seven saves, which is pretty good. Um, but yeah, they're just they're they're plugging along, which is good to see. You know, a new team in the NOS. Do I think they keep it up? Probably not. I think the Dodgers ultimately win that division. I've said that before. But this is the Good Guy Grant. You can follow me on Twitter at Good Guy Grant One. You can like the Facebook page at Good Guy Grant Podcast as well. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and enjoyed the day.